Good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. Uh, I'm so glad that you are here today and that you've taken time out of your schedule to be with us here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. Um, and uh, just wanted to uh, say when you came in today, you received uh, the uh, notes for today, uh, our connection cards down there at the bottom. And so I want to encourage you, uh, you can interact with those, uh, those notes today uh, as we go through the message. And uh, I want to encourage you also to, to take that bottom piece there. And uh, if you have any prayer requests, you can let us know about that. If you're more of an online person, you can go online and uh, you can join our free Wi-Fi and you can access those same notes uh, there at our website. And I also want to give a special welcome to those who are listening online as our uh, podcast audience grows. Uh, just want to welcome you all. Um, wanted to uh, just pause for a moment before we dive in um, and just Take a moment out of our time this morning to pray uh, for the families who were involved in the tragedy on Friday. I know that if you are a part of our community, you know we had a tragedy Friday morning. <clears throat> there was a terrible car accident on Dillon Road, and um, two high school students passed away um, in that tragedy, and there are two more that are in very serious condition. And um, so would you join me in a word of prayer as we pray for the Roca family and the Herrera family and the Morales and Alavera's family. Um, let's pray for those families, if you would join me in a word of prayer. Um, Father God, I pray for uh, the Roca family and the Herrera family right now. God, I don't know where they are with you, but having lost Corey and Caesar on Friday, I would imagine they're asking a thousand questions. And I would imagine for the families that it seems like the world is caving in on them. And God, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would give them peace in the midst of their personal storm that's going on. God, I pray that you would bring comfort where there needs to be comfort. God, I pray if they were far from you, that they would come back to you and they would turn back to you. And God, I pray that you would bring them to you if they don't know you as their Savior. And God, I pray for Ramon Morales and Michelle Alvarez who are right now in severe condition. And God, we don't, we don't know all of their condition, but I pray that you would be with them. You would keep them from pain. God, that you would be the God of grace to their families right now. God, I pray that you would open your arms like a father does and let them know that you love them. And in the midst of this terrible tragedy, God, I pray that you would be glorified as a result. God, be with the students at Hilton Head High School God, the ones who knew these students, the ones who didn't, as they're grieving, pray that you'd be with Amanda O'Nan, the principal, and the rest of the administration there, as I'm sure they're going to be doing counseling this week. I pray that you would give them the right words to say. And God, that you would just be gracious to our community, a small community that seems to have these tragedies too often. And God, I pray that these events would help us as a as a community, to get on our knees. And God, that we would turn to you in our time of desperation, in our time of need. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd lead us into wisdom and into knowledge. And God, I pray that you would be the one that convicts and changes, pierce our hearts. And God, as we as a church set out to do the, the best that we can right where we are with what you've given us. I pray that we would be able to do that in a way that glorifies you and brings honor and glory 
to your name. Help us to be free from distraction right now as we dive into your word and hear the stories of changed lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, we are in the last of a series that we're called, we've been calling Maximum Impact, and we've been talking about Maximum Impact as it relates to us as a church, as it relates to you individually, as it relates to how we are going to reach our community with our mission to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and lead people to follow him. And so we've been talking about what that means. We've been talking about it from a ministry standpoint, but we've also been talking about it from a facility standpoint. And I kind of rolled out a seven to 10 year plan and talked about how um, our long-term goal is, is to have a whole student building over there and a uh, kids building that's separate from this one one day way down the road. And we want to be able to uh, pay Hargrave, uh, finish up our lease purchase with them kind of in the medium term and medium goal. But our immediate need right now is, is that we need to prepare our office space for a brand new ministry that we're starting that's targeted towards pre-teens. Uh, we're calling it Ignite, and so we're very excited about that kind of a new phase of ministry. We need to prepare our garage. How many of you have a storage closet that just is jam-packed with stuff? Or the junk drawer? How many of you have a junk drawer? That's our garage is our junk drawer, okay? That's what we've been using it as, and we need to prepare it for office space. And so we have kind of a goal to raise 300000 to do that. And today is the day where you uh, are going to give your contribution or uh, your pledge uh, towards that if you've been a part of this over these past few months. But we've also been taking some time out to share some of the stories of Hilton Head Island Community Church, kind of how we got here. You heard from Pastor Jeff. You've heard from some of the others. And I want you to hear today uh, from Linda Peterson. So I'm going to ask Linda to join me on stage. Um, we have a lot of pioneers that started in the early early days of Hilton Head Island Community Church. And Linda, you were one of them. Why don't you give it up for Linda this morning? Linda Peterson, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Linda, um, you were there with us in the early days. And you were mm -hmm. at Low Country Community Church, our now partner church, but then our parent church. And uh, they were the ones that got us started years ago, seven years ago. And uh, tell us why you made the decision to leave the comfort of Low Country and come back on the island and help start a work on the island that is what we are experiencing today. Tell us why you did that. Sure. Um, before I do that, I just want to make it a point that I am taller than you. You're taller than me. <laughs> you, you realize it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal to me. And you have those shoes on. So anyway, okay, that's very good. It's short joke day today, evidently. So anyway. I'm used to it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, like Todd mentioned, I have been with Low Country Community Church since uh, 2003. When I came to this island, um, I had no family over here, just my daughter and I, and it was just difficult. And when Pastor Jeff announced that we were going to start a new church on the island, and I was like, oh, no, he's going to approach me because I live on the island. I had... <laughs> No That's choice great. but to leave uh, my comfort place. <laughs> oh, no. And for four years or so um, at Low Country Community Church, Ashley and I had always been very involved with Promised Land. We were uh, in a greeting service. We did everything that we could. Um, so to leave our friends over there to come here was, was quite tough. But surprisingly, the transition was very easy. And I can't even remember when we left because I remember discussing this with uh, Cynthia several weeks ago, and I <laughs> couldn't remember exactly when did we start and everything just kind of you know went smoothly we, it was 2007 that we yeah, that right. we started this church we did that's right 2007. <laughs> 2011 that yeah. we um, were independent from low country community church so 
So we left, uh, we prayed about it, and it was actually Matthew 28 that came to mind because it was a great uh, mission that our Lord wanted us to go out there. There was a great com uh, commandment and the commission to go out there and make disciples of all nations. So Ashley and I prayed about it. She had to leave her friends, and I, I left all my biker dudes over there, came <laughs> over here, and we just went with the flow. That's great. And I believed in uh, Pastor Jeff and the elders' mission for this church. Um, they made really good decision in having Pastor Todd over here lead us. So um, everything has been going well. And, um, and the other thing was the, uh, um, the church. The church was my family. Because uh, growing up in, I left all my family members in Malaysia. And um, I there's just me and my daughter over here. So the only, my church is my family. Wow. And through, you know, good times and bad times, they were there for me. And um, family, they say family is not always blood. So mm -hmm. for those of you out there who always take the time to make me smile, accept me for who I am, love me for what I am, and uh, just thank you. Thank you for so That's much awesome. for being there. That's fantastic. You know, um, you mentioned earlier to me today uh, before the service that you accepted Christ as your Savior when you were 16 um, while you were still living in Malaysia. Um, and a lot of what we're doing um, now here at Hilton Head Island Community Church is targeting the younger generation. And in fact, um, studies show that that age uh, when people are more likely to accept Christ as Savior is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Um, tell us a little bit about what, your thoughts on that and, and, and what we're doing here and how, how that's affected you and Ashley. Well, you know, um, I accepted Christ in Malaysia at the age of 17. I was very confused. 17. I mean, put yourself in the shoes. You're growing up in a country where 70% of the population are Muslims. We were told to learn the Quran when we went to school. And my family are Taoists, so they worship ancestors, our ancestors. We have to bow down to whoever passed away. Hopefully, they will give us you know, good passage. And then, uh, but my dad decided that we need to learn English. And so he sent all six of us, six sisters, to Catholic school. And so we were taught by nuns. So here we are. We have <laughs> Catholicism classes, Quran. We have Taoism. We have all kinds of religion. I was very confused. It was not until um, a rock band, a rock Christian concert band that came um, to the school and I was jumping up with joy and I, without realizing it, raised my hand and accepted Christ. And next thing you knew, people coming up to me with flyers and started explaining to me about Christianity and, and that, was, that made sense. Mm -hmm. that, that cleared all the confusion that I had mm -hmm. and I accepted Christ right That's then awesome. and then. And my road has, my journey in Christianity has being a Christian, it's not easy. Yeah. I have a lot of ups and downs, and who doesn't? We all went through marriage crisis, financial crisis, you name it, I have it. Uh, I can write a book about it. My <laughs> life has been threatened. I got involved with FBI, CIA, <laughs> underground gangsters, you name it, I got it. Uh, your problem is not as big as mine, but uh, God took care of everything. And even Todd, actually, Pastor Todd over here almost gave up on me, praying for me, because it was just That's so, nice. like, he just said, snap out of it, get on with the program. Oh. But we did, we did. Um, my, this, this church has been there for me through thick and thin. Oh. And, um, Thank you so much for being a pioneer and stepping out in faith. And uh, Linda, I just wanted you to share a little bit of your testimony. And thank you so much. Thank you. So much. Can I add one thing, too? Yes, you sure can. Go quick. right ahead. She um, wants to add one thing. You know, um, I believe in the church goal to focus so much on the youth ministry these days because if you read through the papers and everything, you'll find out that most of the teenagers nowadays 
are the catalysts of social, you know, massive, making massive social changes. They are the ones that trigger revolutions out there. Mm. So I don't know about you, but for me, I wish that everybody out there, all the teenagers out there who are doing all this stuff, they have Jesus in their heart. Wow. And we hope to you know, get them before, before well, they make something crazy. Well said, well said, absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Linda, very much. I love hearing the stories of what God was doing in the early days, especially, uh, and I love Linda's story because she made the decision to leave the comforts of, of low country, and she did it for a missional reason. It wasn't just without purpose. She did it on purpose, and um, so I love that, and I love the fact that uh, even though that happened, uh, she was served by many of you, some of whom are in this room, when she was going through some crisis herself. And that's a perfect picture of what the church should be about. We should serve and be served, shouldn't we? We should love and be loved. And that's what the church is all about. You know, she referenced, Linda referenced in 2011, we became our own church. And during that period of time, I, I had a, a friend who asked me, what do you want to become? What do you believe that Hilton Head Island Community Church is supposed to become? And I started listing off all these things. Oh, I'd love to see us grow, you know, and have people come in and accept Christ and have this many small groups and this many people baptized. And he goes, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. He goes, what do you want to become? And so I began praying about what kind of church or the type of church that I want us to become and that I feel like God is leading us to become. And I believe it's a church just like Jesus demonstrated all throughout his life where we absolutely love people who are unlovely and we accept people for who they are and where they are in life. Um, many of you know I'm not much of an outdoorsman. I can count on one hand the times that I've been hunting, and I can count on two hands the times that I've been fishing in my whole life. And uh, my dad introduced me to golf a long time ago, and that's all it took. And uh, so I'm kind of more of a golfer. And so, um, but I do remember one fishing experience that I had with a good friend of mine in college. We were both at Liberty University. Um, he, his family was a farming family that lived upstate in uh, North Carolina in a little place called Brown Summit. And um, so he said, why don't you come home with me one weekend? And so um, at Liberty, you had to go through a lot of different uh, red tape to go out off campus uh, for a weekend back in 1991. And so uh, I went off campus and went to his house, and I thought, this is going to be great. We can have a relaxing time. Um, maybe we can go play golf or do something like that. It's a farming community in the middle of nowhere. There are no golf courses. I don't know what I was thinking. But little did I know, Chad, my friend Chad, had a whole day of fishing planned. So this was very exciting for me. Um, so we went fishing and we fished for catfish and we fished from sun up until sundown. And there's a lot of things I remember about that experience. Number one, I was hot all day. Um, number two, I got sunburned because I didn't wear a hat or sunscreen. Um, and number three, I actually had a good time. That's what I remember about fishing with my friend uh, named Chad Brown. The other thing that I remember is that his mom said, now, if you're going to bring those fish home, and if you're going to put some in the freezer, and if you're going to fry some fish up later that night, you have to gut them and clean them before they come into this house. And so I had my first experience in gutting and cleaning fish and scaling fish. And so Chad showed me how to do that. And if you asked me, if you put a gun in my head and asked me to do it right here, right now, I couldn't do it. But we had a good time. And I'm pretty sure that just last year, the fish smell came out of my hands. <laughs> we had a good time, but his mom had this expectation 
that those fish did not come in her house until they were cleaned and gutted. And you know, it's interesting, when I think about that story, I don't know about you, but there are probably many of you, or maybe some of you, who have had a church experience just like that, where when you went to church, that church or your friends or the people in that church or the pastor or whoever's in charge expected you to come in the doors only when you were cleaned, only when you were all cleaned up and when you had your stuff all together. And they might have had an expectation that you get your life all fancied up and you get your life all cleaned up and you get rid of all that junk in your life that has caused you to search in the first place and then you can be a part of the church. I want you to hear something today. If you've been a part of a church like that, that is not what Jesus intended. He intended for you and for me to come to him just as we are. And there's a lot of examples of that throughout scripture, but none so poignant than this one. And it's recorded in John chapter 8. I want you to take a look at it with me. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees, those are the religious leaders of the day, by the way, the scribes and the Pharisees, Jewish religious leaders of the day. They brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, I'm not going to go into that today, but there's pretty good evidence that she was caught doing something that the Torah, the old law, the Mosaic law said that she shouldn't be doing. Now, in the law of Moses, they said, commanded us to stone such a woman. So, Jesus, what do you say? You can see what's going on here with these religious leaders. They're trying to trick Jesus. In fact, verse 6 says this. They said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against Jesus. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground something that we will never know until we get to heaven. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, and I love this part. This is just great. This is just awesome. He said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Isn't that great? I love that. Like, if you guys don't have sin, then you throw the first stone. And once more, he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. It's one of my favorite stories of Jesus showing absolute unconditional love. And the church, I believe, has failed to do that. The church at large has failed to do that over the years. And I'm sorry if you were in here today and you had a church experience where you weren't accepted like Jesus demonstrated right here with this woman. You see, when I dream of a church, I dream of a church, first of all, that shows people that they can belong before they believe or behave. I dream of a church that shows people that, like Jesus did, that they can belong before they believe or behave. You see, I realize that some of you who are 
been coming here for a while, you, you may still be having trouble with that belief part, with that faith part. This needs to be a place where you can work that out. This needs to be the type of environment where you can work that out and you can ask questions that you think are silly and you might think are dumb, but really aren't because you're just asking questions about faith. And that you don't have to clean yourself up before you walk in these doors. You can come as you are because I believe that's what Jesus modeled and that's the way we should operate. So when I dream of a church, I dream of a church that shows people they can belong before they believe or behave. You see, we need to accept people who walk in and are going through problems and are going through crisis and may not have all of their life shaped up according to what God's best is. We need to accept people like that because guess what? Each one of us, we're at that point at some point in our lives, weren't we? I mean, let's face it. Each one of us, we're at that point at some point in our lives. And someone that we had in our lives accepted us the way that we were Secondly, I dream of a church that offers people the freedom to deal with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups without condemnation. A church that offers for people the freedom to deal with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups without condemnation. Jesus didn't judge that woman, did he? Did he have every right to, do, to judge her? Absolutely. Did he have every right to cast condemnation on her? Absolutely. She did something that was against Scripture, that was against God's law. But Jesus, in that moment, demonstrated that he is more about relationship with you than he is about rules. Isn't that freeing? That's incredibly freeing, isn't it? So I dream of a church that offers people the freedom to deal with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups without condemnation. Thirdly, I dream of a church that provides a spiritual urgent care center for people to receive healing in a time of crisis. You know crisis is never planned. We don't plan for crisis, do we? It hits us out of nowhere, doesn't it? I dream of a church where when people are having crisis, they can come here to receive healing. And our main goal should be to heal them spiritually. That's our mission. That's our job. That's our goal. But you know, people come in with a lot of stuff. You and I have a lot of stuff in our lives that we need help with, that we need healing from. And we as a church need to be a resource to point them in the right direction because we don't have it all solved, do we? We don't have everything solved. We can't fix every problem, but we need to be able to network people to be able to point them in the right direction for their habits and their hurts and their hang-ups and their addictions and their pains because we all have been there. That's the kind of church that I believe that we should become. Fourth, I dream of a church that demonstrates the love of Christ to those who are suffering. We have families in our community that are suffering right now, don't we? Who lost a loved one. We have students who knew those kids and they're suffering right now. And we as a church need to be there for them. We need to be able to accept them during their times of suffering. And we need to demonstrate that it's only the love of Christ that can get them through the pain that they're facing when they suffer. And you know why? Because we all have suffered. We all have had times of suffering. And we have all needed someone to accept us the way that we are in the midst of our suffering and help lead us to the one that can truly solve those problems, and that's Jesus. And finally, I dream of a church that allows broken people who have been redeemed to passionately worship God. 
And I don't just mean coming in here and singing praise songs to him. I mean worship him with our life and our lifestyle and the way that we operate and the way that we live. Here's something about redeemed people, people who know what they have in Christ, that they were destined for eternal death and hell, and they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they absolutely have the assurance of heaven because of what God did by sending Jesus to die on a cross. That's redemption. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, and when we believe it, and when we know it, we ought to worship. Our response ought to be to worship God with our life, every part of our life. It's part of the reason we offer Financial Peace University here at Hilton Head Island Community Church with Mary Ann and Eddie. Mary's sitting right over here to my right. Each year we have a class called Financial Peace University that you can attend to worship God with your finances. You believe you can actually worship God with your finances? Are you kidding me? It's true. That's part of understanding redemption. And I dream of a church that allows broken people who have been redeemed to passionately worship God. See, that's what I want us to become. That's what I believe God has for our future. And having a maximum impact on what is to come means that we operate in that realm. Well, what's it going to take? Three things. What's it going to take for us to reach our maximum impact? First of all, a passionate heart for the unchurched. Listen, if we don't have that, we have nothing. If we aren't passionate for those who are lost, who are unchurched, who are out there, who, who, who have hang-ups and, and habits and addictions that they think they can't come in here with, then we are missing it. We need to have a passionate heart for the unchurched. Linda mentioned it. She talked a little bit about the Great Commission. We'll talk about that in a moment. But last week, Clint, who's one of our missions partners at Georgia State through the Navigators mentioned this passage of scripture. And I love it when Jesus is passionate about the people of Jerusalem. Look at Matthew 9. Jesus went through the, all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of his kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, I love this, he had, what's that next word? Compassion. Say it with me again. He had what? Compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And right after he said that, he brought his disciples together and they began Jesus' three years of earthly ministry. See, I have this picture of Jesus like walking along a dirt road, kind of in the hills on the outskirts of Jerusalem, looking over that city that he loved so much in Jerusalem. And there's the temple, and there's other buildings, and there's people kind of walking and milling around, hundreds, thousands of people. And Jesus' heart broke for those people because he knew that without belief in him, they would not have eternal life in heaven with him one day. And so his compassion and he had passion, and we need to do the same thing. Secondly, what is it going to take for us to maximize our impact, for us to be that church that I dream of? It's not just being passionate about those who are in church, but secondly, having an unwavering commitment to our mission. Our mission is to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. It's real simple, to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. It, I, I, 
we made that up. We kind of gave it modern words, but really it comes from what Linda talked about just a moment, the Great Commission. Look at it in Matthew 28 as Matthew records Jesus giving his disciples one last thing that they needed to be about, which is the great mission or the great commission of the church. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Today in Island Kids, Abby is sharing the gospel with your kids. She's demonstrating this today, and she's got a great illustration, and they've turned one of the classrooms in there, um, they've turned it into a great-looking club. You need to ask your kids about it when they leave today. She's doing a great job. And so she's walking them through the plan of salvation and giving them an opportunity to accept Christ as their Savior. And I promise you, there's going to be a few kids who accept Christ as their Savior today. It's going to be awesome. So far this year, by the way, we've had three adults and three students accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior so far in 2014. That's why we do what we do. Isn't that awesome? But absolutely. But the other thing Abby's doing is she's giving them, um, I don't wear bracelets ever. But um, so you probably were wondering, what's the hippie guy doing with the bracelet? Okay, so um, Abby is passing these bracelets out to all the kids because not only does she want them to accept Christ as her Savior, but she wants them and desires for them to pass it on. So she's explaining to first through fifth graders what each of these colors of this bracelet mean. And they're going to be able to explain to their friends that the black represents our sin, and that sin separates us from God. The red represents the blood that was shed by Jesus to cover our sins. The white represents the fact that he's made our sins as white as snow. The green represents growth in Christ. And the yellow represents the hope of heaven that we can have. And then on the back side, there are two purple beads that represent the royalty of the family that we are once we become a child of God. Isn't that cool? And so our kids, our students are being taught today, right now, back in that room, that they need to be about our mission, and they need to be about the gospel. And that's what it's going to take, but it's going to take all of us doing that, isn't it? It's going to take each one of us doing that. It's going to take us inviting our friends to Easter. Do you realize Easter's three weeks away? can't believe it. The year's flying. Easter's three weeks away, and we have these cards for you to pass out to your friends that are specific for Easter, and it gives our three service times. We're having three services that day, 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30. And you can take these today. Stacy's back at the guest service desk. She can hand these to you, so you can take your friends to invite them to Easter. People are more responsive to the gospel at Easter than at any other time during the year. And thirdly, it's going to take a wholehearted response to God with our lives. It's going to take us being wholehearted in our response to God with our lives. Mark 12, 30, and 31 records the greatest commandment that we can have. And it says this, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And this is the second one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. We, as people, are commanded by Jesus to love God and love people. That's it. But there's a lot to that, isn't it? And that means being wholehearted. We talk about that word a lot. Wholehearted in our response to God. And I've been challenging you the past few weeks to be wholehearted in your response to what God is doing with maximum impact. 
For some of you, that means getting outside of your comfort zone and going and serving at the soup kitchen this coming Friday or serving on serve day. For some of you, it means finding your area of giftedness. For some of you, it means getting involved in a life group. But we also have had this task of raising $300,000 to help renovate our kids' space and to create more room for Ignite, our preteen ministry that we want to start. And so today is your day to turn in one of these maximum impact cards, my impact cards. And so if you have these today, um, when we close here, I'm going to explain how you can turn these in so that we can know of your financial commitment to what we're trying to do by raising money to be able to reach more kids for Christ and to give our island kids a much-needed facelift and to move our offices over to the garage, the storage pit. But I want to ask you today, what's your response? What is your response to what God is doing in your life? Because here's the deal. Whether it's spiritual and ministry or whether it's financial and buildings, if you are hearing from me, all your response is going to be based on is guilt. If you make up your own mind on what our church should be doing and you have an opinion about it and you base your response on that, your response will be lukewarm at best. And so my question today for each one of you is what is God saying for you to do? What is he saying for you to do in terms of ministry? What is he saying in terms of you to do financially over and above your tithes and offerings if you're a part of the Hilton Head Island Community Church. And I realize today there are some of you who just walked in for the first time. You're like, great, he's talking about money. Sure enough, at a church. I'm sorry. This is for the people who are part of our family. What is God telling you to do? A few weeks ago when we introduced this whole idea of maximum impact, and I told you about Ignite, and I told you about the $300,000, and that each person, each adult, if each one of us raised $1,000 before the end of the year, that we could accomplish this huge task. And I realize some of you can and some of you can't. But there was someone that was sitting in the crowd um, who, to be honest with you, I didn't know she was a pioneer with us. And it's Anne Marie. And I'm going to ask Anne Marie to come on up here and join me on stage. And Anne Marie made a beeline on March the 2nd to me um, after the service was over, in between the first and second service. And she said, I got to talk to you and I got to tell you a story. And I've asked her to share part of that story today with us. So, Anne Marie, why don't you give it up for Anne Marie Kennedy? I'm you, taller than him, too. Are you making a short joke right now? <laughs> Nice. Well, first of all, I just want to say that um, I'm just honored to be able to glorify God and share my story. And like many of you, my story is kind of like a Ginsu knife commercial. But wait, there's more. <laughs> so I've had the opportunity to share this a couple of times, and um, I don't really know how God's going to use me to share it. So there may be more, there may be less, who knows. Uh, my former husband and I married late in life, and we went through in vitro to have a baby. And we were on our way to the appointment where you get the ultrasound to find out whether your baby is a girl or a boy. And we had a little bit of a little argument because I had eaten a donut to make sure that the baby was real active, and he said, that's not going to work. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we got there, and we got some bad news. And the bad news was that we had a baby who was lethally deformed. So we had some gut-wrenching decisions to make. So I went home that night. And I wrote a letter to God, and I said, if you will give me a child who is healthy, I will make sure that this child knows you. And I was also grateful that he gave me that burden because I was equipped to handle it. And I would never wish that on anyone else. So um, 
fast forward to 2005, we, we did have a healthy baby boy. And in 2007, when he was about 18 months old, I was reflecting that I wasn't making good on my promise to God. You see, I was married to a non-believer. And when you're married to a non-believer, it's easy to make excuses on Sunday morning. But having been raised in a Christ-centered home, I knew how important it was for me in my older life. The decisions that I made, I always went back to what I learned in Sunday school and in church. So I picked up the paper, and in the paper there was an announcement about a grand opening for this church. And it was in October of 2007, and so I packed him in the car and I went. And I walked in, and I don't know, I just had this feeling that this was where I needed to be. And there weren't that many kids there, but for some reason I just, I knew that this was where my son was going to learn about Christ. So I got somewhat involved. I felt like a misfit. And I reflected to back when I was in church and I remembered all these ladies who came to church with their children without their husbands and all of a sudden I was one. And I was an older mother and most of my friends, their, their kids were either in college or they were having grandbabies and here I had a baby. So I was like a misfit from every angle. But I joined a small group and I really got in the word. But then, you know, I kept going in and out. Um, I still have the uh, uh, worship guide from that day, by the way. I have them all. And no, I'm not a hoarder. <laughs> and I also have the, um, the, the brochure. You should check out Todd's hair from, from that day. From, so. but, um, but anyway, um, later on in 2011, um, God led me to, to, to leave the marriage. And uh, we went through a two-and-a-half-year high custody divorce, and it was a very difficult and challenging time in both of our lives. Um, but I will tell you, there would be times I would be in the car, and I would have a bad day, and my son would say, and I would hear a voice from the back saying, just turn it over to God, Mommy, because he solves everything. I, uh, one Christmas, we walked out the door, and he handed me a paper that he had colored. It was an angel, and I said, Willie, that's really beautiful. I love her blue dress, and he said, yes, Mommy, and I gave her brown skin, and I thought, wow, you know, I mean, if we could all see life through a child, especially a child who has been exposed to Jesus Christ, what a difference this world would be. I dated it, and I kept it, and one day... I'm going to give it to him and tell him that story. So let's fast forward to this past December. The divorce is finally over. And um, my son said to me, Mom, um, Jesus, Mary was Jesus's mother. And God was Jesus's daddy. And y'all know where I'm going with this. <laughs> And I'm thinking, uh-oh, where's Cody? <laughs> I got some explaining to do. I'm not sure how I'm going to explain this one. Uh, so, I won't ask you what your answer was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, you don't want to go there. So um, anyway, so um, about uh, January, uh, I decided that I was going to buy a house. And uh, God told me otherwise. And you see, I'm going to get very vulnerable here right now because I am in the mortgage business and I try to make a difference in people's lives by helping them finance their homes. 
And I was told no. And it was a very long process for me. And I ended up showing that loan officer how we can go to plan B or C, and yes, you can make this happen. And he said, okay, and it worked. And then they came back and they said, well, no, because of some marital issue and some marital debt, it's not gonna work. And I said, oh, yes, it can, because we can do it this way. There's always a way. But you see, they came back and said, no, we're not gonna do that. And so I sat back and I said, God, what are you telling me? This is a no I need. Why do I need this no? And the no was, well, you know what? If you don't buy that house, you know what? You don't need the money for the down payment and you don't need the money to renovate that kitchen. And guess what? You don't need that job. Because right now there's so much government regulation in our world, the joy to make a difference in people's lives for me has become greater than, less than the pain. And so he was telling me there's something bigger and better I have for you. And I'm leading you in a different direction. And so I sat back and I said, okay, well, you know, in all reality, I'm, I might be in a rented condo, but it's a home because there's love in it and there's Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, the, the journey that I have been on has, has been a wonderful one. And the family at, at this church has prayed me through a lot. And I look back and I realize that God used my circumstance to bring me back to where I needed to be. And finally, at 53 years old, I finally understand what my why is. And my why is to serve Christ and to be pleasing to him. And so um, I decided that, um, you know, I'm going to leave the corporate world. So I was sitting in the back here on March the 2nd, Second. I think it was. Yep. And when he announced that we were going to start a program, Ignite, for, for uh, fourth graders, I'm like, hallelujah, you know? <laughs> I don't have to wait for Cody. So, you know, ne next fall, my son will be in that, in that group, which is, which is awesome. And then he said, well, you know, we need to raise $300,000, and we've got about 300 members. So, you know, if everybody can pony up about $1,000, give or take or whatever, we'll be there, you know? And I thought, hey, I can do that. I'm not, I'm not buying a house. I got $1,000. <laughs> And, you know, God said, oh, no, you won't. And how many times have you heard Todd say, God spoke to me, or you've heard people say, God told me? <laughs> and, you know, you're all wondering, did you hear something in your head or what? You it's know, true, it's like, isn't it? I know. You it's know, true. it's like, really? <laughs> but I, heard, I felt a welling up in me, and he spoke to me, and he said, you're not going to give $1,000. You're going to give $1,000 for every year of his age. Mm. And I thought, why couldn't you do that two weeks ago when he was eight? <laughs> And I'm not sharing this with you because I'm being boastful. I'm sharing with it because I want to make a point. So I, I handed him the check without hesitation. And um, I made a decision that I was going to change my life and leave the corporate world and find out what, what God wanted me to do. Because I want to live a life of joy and peace and make a difference and live a life of abundance. And so I circled back with someone that I had been affiliated with in a company called Isagenics. And it was a company that changed my life physically, um, emotionally, helped me with energy, and um, financially. And so he was kind of at the same place I was, and we decided that we are going to use that to make a difference. And so in that company, um, they pay you to share it with other people. 
So I have this little card, it's like a little debit card, and my products have been paid for since 2009. So I'm sitting there with him and I said, Dean, you know, I'm sure I'm gonna get an email any day that says, you don't have any money left on that card. <laughs> you gotta pay for your products. Because I hadn't looked at it. I went home that day and I called. There was $8,700 on that card. <laughs> really? You know? How many times, if, you know, if you just let go and let God, he will provide. Mm. So I just, I just want to thank this church, this church family. They've prayed me through a lot of things, and um, I don't know what God has in store for me other than, you know, I'm going to give Isogenics a shot, and I know that, that there is a, a, a bigger cause. In fact, I secured the domain name for it this week. I don't know where the money's coming from. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I know that I'm headed in the right direction, and I thank this church for praying me through a, a lot. Thank Anne you. Marie, thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for sharing that. It's an example of listening to God and hearing the heart of God and acting. I'm going to ask the band to come on up here this morning. I'm going to ask you all to, those of you, I, I, I know some of you leave about this time every, every service. That's okay. I'm cool with that. But don't do it today if you don't mind. I should ask you to stay, stick around a little bit. You know, Anne-Marie and Linda are perfect examples of how they were served by the family of God and how they have turned around and served the family of God. And so I just want to ask you today, what is your response going to be? What is your response going to be to him leading in your life? What is he asking you to do today? What is he asking you to do with those My Impact cards what is he asking you to do with serve day coming up next week, or really serve weekend next weekend? What is he asking you to do? Those of you who walked in today and you're not a part of this church family, let me, let me tell you something. We want you to belong here. We want you to feel welcome here. And if you haven't got it all figured out, that's okay. Each of us were at a point where we didn't have it figured out at some point in our lives. And if you're here today and you're going through crisis, you're going through personal pain. Maybe you're even going through suffering. We want to pray with you. I, I know there's a couple elders in this room and maybe a couple folks from the prayer team. And I'm going to ask you guys to just come down here by the cross. If you're here today and you need to be prayed for, you need to be prayed with, I want to encourage you to do that today. I'm going to be down here as well. And I'd love to pray for you. I want you to take these next few moments. The band is going to sing just a couple more songs. And I want you to respond to how God is leading you today. And if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never said yes to Jesus, come on down here and talk to myself or one of the folks down here. We would love to help you in making that decision for him. I don't know what God has in store for us in terms of maximum impact and reaching that $300,000. And to be honest with you, I'm leaving that up to him. I really am. I'm just being completely honest. You know the most important thing of all this? Is that we, as his people, do what he says to do. That's the most important part of all this. Is that we say yes to whatever God is leading us to do. What is God leading you to do this morning? Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in the life of this church. And God, right now as we come and worship you, 
a bunch of people who have been redeemed or maybe a few that haven't been, God, I pray that you would receive honor and glory. God, I thank you for maximum impact on what you're going to do, but I thank you more for changed lives. And God, I pray that you would be the God of these next few moments and that we would respond to how you're leading us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Feel free to walk around. Feel free to come down to the cross. Feel free to take those My Impact cards and give them to Stacy. There's a basket there. Some of our greeters will have baskets as you leave today. Let's respond to how God is leading today.